destigmatizing mental illness through comedy and community, Project You Are Okay and comedian Jenny Jaffe, this week on Pop Culture Confidential. Hi, I'm Christina Jörling Biro. Thanks for listening. A while back, a video came up in my Twitter feed, a testimonial by Will Wheaton, the actor who starred in Stephen King's Stand By Me, Star Trek The Next Generation, and The Big Bang Theory. But Wheaton wasn't talking about his acting. He was talking about his struggles with mental health issues, a raw, open, and brave account of his most personal struggle. He made this film for Project You Are OK, a nonprofit initiative founded by comedian Jenny Jaffe that aims to help teens deal with depression, suicidal thoughts, and destigmatizing mental health issues. My name is Will Wheaton. I am an actor, writer, and producer. I have generalized anxiety disorder, and I have it's sort of like chronic depression. Things are going to be all right. You are not the only person in the world who has anxiety. You're not the only person in the world who has depression. You're not the only person in the world who has thoughts of self-harm. There are people who want to help you. There are people who have spent their entire lives helping people like you and me and all of the people that you're seeing in this video. And you're not alone. You are okay. For the 25-year-old You Are OK founder, Jenny Jaffe, this is very personal. In her own testimonial, she talks about having mental health issues already at the age of 10. Years of therapy and medication helped, as well as performing and writing comedy. She does stand-up and has worked at the Colbert Report, MTV, VH1, The Onion, and College Humor. But her biggest achievement yet is founding You Are OK. Among other things, the site is a growing collection of video testimonials and experiences from teens sharing their stories, as well as comedians and actors, from Wheaton to Perez Hilton to Mara Wilson, funny, heartwarming, and very personal contributions of their past or current struggle with mental health issues. Jenny Jaffe has a message for teens struggling with these issues. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Thank you so much, Jenny Jaffe, for joining me. Thank you so much. You're a young comedian right in the middle of everything. You have these big things happening. You're at huge institutions like The Onion. What happened to make you start this foundation? The reason I got into comedy in the first place, as you pointed out, is because I was uh, dealing with these, you know, pretty significant struggles with with, uh, my mental illness. And um, so it had always sort of been in the back of my mind that the reason I was doing this was because I wanted to help reach out to teens and help them feel uh, okay and safe the same way that comedy had sort of inadvertently done that for me. And I started sort of conceiving of um, Project You Are Okay in the abstract, but what really happened was I ended up writing an article for um, a website, ExoJane, and the article dealt with my experience in exposure therapy for my fear of vomit uh, that stemmed from my OCD. And I was really scared to write this article because it was just, I'd never even touched on, in anything I'd written, I'd never really even touched on anything I'd been through. And I was really nervous about the response because I'd been at College Humor for a while, I've been in comedy for a while, I've heard a lot of pretty terrible internet comments directed at me. And this is something that's so 
personal and, and uh, can still feel pretty raw. Why were they these these internet comments and in terms of your comedy or in terms of? Oh, I mean, in terms of comedy, I mean, being a woman in comedy or a woman on the internet means you're very rarely hearing actual comments about what you're doing, and you're more likely hearing comments about how you look while doing them. Or, you know, just more general statements about women not being funny or... So in, in this sort of harsh internet world that you were in, you decide to write an incredibly personal article. Right, and I was, I was really nervous. And I remember my boyfriend was actually moving into a new apartment uh, the day it came out. And I remember sitting in the moving van sort of staring at my phone and I knew this article was about to come out and I was so nervous and I knew that you know the comment section on these exo Jane pieces can get pretty heated and I I didn't know you know what the reception was going to be and and in this article you describe your diagnosis what you had which was uh well so I was um diagnosed with uh, generalized anxiety disorder panic disorder uh OCD and depression, all of which have sort of uh, been uh, more prevalent at various points. How did you um, make it through your teens? Well, you I, you know, I'm incredibly lucky, and I think that's the number one thing that I have to, you know, be very upfront about is that I was just afforded the opportunity to. I had a, a family that was understanding of what I was going through. My mom's a social worker, so I, I have mental health professionals in my family. I ha- so there wasn't a uh, stigma coming from my family about it. I had the resources to go to therapy. There were therapists in my neighborhood, and I was able to afford going to them. And I was, and I really just threw myself into loving comedy. So it was a combination of this sort of like unbelievable uh, luck I had being in the circumstances I was in, and the fact that I had just really found something that felt like a reason to stay alive. What could a, a bad day look like for you? When I was sort of in, right in mid-high school, I was having probably like three full-blown panic attacks a day. And if you've ever had a panic attack, you know that that just feel, that feels like dying. It, fe- it is the experience you have of, of dying. It, it's what it feels like. So it was like two or three full-blown panic attacks a day and then this sort of like just um morose zombie state the rest of the time like anticipating either when these would happen or just sort of wondering like what is the point of continuing to live like this and um, I had really terrible OCD I was very afraid of um, germs of touching things other people had touched of um one, one symptom a lot of people don't realize is actually at the root of um, OCD is that you get a lot of intrusive thoughts. So you have these sort of like upsetting or violent, disturbing thoughts that, that you wouldn't, you know, that feel unnatural to you. And then the wanting to keep order in the world around you, wanting to make sure that things are clean um, is sort of like can be a way of trying to take back control. And, you know, I was, I was washing my hands constantly. Um, and I would take my temperature. It was a, I was really compulsive about taking my temperature and making sure it was always the same. Uh, living inside my head was just a really bad place to be. I was very... How was the interaction with other kids at school? Oh, not, well, non-existent during that point. 
when I wasn't in class, I was usually either at a doctor's appointment or, you know, again, had a very supportive mom and she'd come pick me up because I just really couldn't be there. I was, I was barely going to school for a while in there and, um, had to drop a bunch of classes and make up a bunch of work later. And yeah, it was kind of a miracle. I ended up graduating on time, actually, that really didn't seem like a possibility. And I was, um, I was very suicidal and really didn't think that I was going to make it to graduation, either in terms of like the schoolwork I was doing, or just in terms of continuing to be alive through graduation. And, you know, again, this was not the first time I'd been suicidal. So I knew intellectually that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. But in the moment, it, it really did not feel that way. And it, it just wasn't a way to live. And it went on for a couple of years like that. And um, what ended up getting me through was just the thought of, you know, I was I was very emotional when Jon Stewart left The Daily Show, because I used to just think like, if I could just make it to the next episode of The Daily Show. What other comedy did you find? What outlet did you find? I got really into listening to stand up then too. And uh, the first person who I ever heard talk about OCD in a way that resonated with me. And I'd never, I'd heard a lot of doctors tell me about OCD and tell me about my symptoms and what was going on with me, but I'd never heard a peer or another person who was struggling with it, talk about it. And this was before YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, and I heard Maria Bamford do a bit about her OCD and, um, it, the way she described it, it was the first time I'd ever heard somebody say what their symptoms were. And I sort of knew that, you know, having OCD meant you were really clean, but I was like, okay, but these sort of weird, violent, intrusive thoughts, like surely that's just because I'm a bad person or I'm that because there's something really deeply wrong with me, that's not worth fixing. And when I heard her talk about it as well, I was pretty shocked and, and I, um, sort of started thinking, okay, so this is, this is all part of the OCD. And then I remember I just like cried with relief the first time somebody put a mm. checklist of OCD symptoms in front of me. And I realized I, these weren't disparate parts of me that weren't making sense. It was all part of the same uh, mental illness that I was dealing with. You were mentioning Maria Bamford. I'm thinking, I mean, I don't mean to generalize, but there's a lot of great, great comedians who, um, have talked about very personal things. Of course, comedy has the power to destigmatize a lot uh, and and such. But it, it's incredible to me when you're explaining your symptoms and how you're feeling and 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 what a nightmare things were for you that you still would get up and do stand up. Yeah, it, it's true that a lot of comedians have uh, struggled with mental illness, and and I think it's an industry where people tend to be fairly open about it because comedy is sort of about bringing things that can be difficult to the forefront and um, facing them with humor. And I read uh, Stephen Fry's memoir in that time as well. And he's, you know, a big hero of mine. And um, he's uh, bipolar. Yeah. And, you know, that's not the same struggle I was having, but it was a relief to think that somebody who I admired so much could have come through something like that and still be doing comedy. And I took a great deal of comfort in that. Project You're Okay YouTube page. I am Project You're Okay founder Jenny Jaffe. We have all of our videos. Hey everybody, I am Perez Hilton and I am okay and you are okay as well. I mean, just saying that makes me feel better because I have been suffering from anxiety lately, severely. In the past, I've also dealt with depression. My name is Naomi Calhoun and I am a student. 
I was diagnosed with depression at the age of 17, and I've experienced social anxiety and uh, things of the like. My name is Jake Plunkett, and I'm a producer uh, for NBC. So you wouldn't know this by looking at me in the street or knowing me, but I am a recovering uh, male anorexic. What, what is the idea behind You Are Okay? Um, one, of the, one of the precursors to starting Project You Are Okay is that there were, I think in the past year, there have been about six suicides at the local high school. Oh, no. From kids at the local high school. And a lot of the rhetoric has been about, well, we're putting a lot of pressure on these students to succeed academically. Like, it's a very high-achieving area. I'm from Silicon Valley, so everybody is sort of looking at their parents and the people around them and going, gosh, these people are starting Twitter and Google and, and uh, Facebook and what have I done and what am I ever going to do? And, um, and I think there's some value to that, but I all, and I think that is a big part of, you know, that's a part of what's happening, but I, I think an even bigger problem is that then when people come up against problems and especially if people come up against problems that are difficult to talk about, there's not a source of support for that because everybody is so interested in keeping things looking nice. And how are you gearing it towards teens? Um, what I realized is everything out there is still very academic and still very clinical. And I think that, and it's something that I remember dealing with, which is just that you can have as many PhDs and um, psychiatrists and wonderful therapists tell you, you know, what you're going through is not unusual, like there are other people dealing with this as possible. And trust me, I went to probably, I've, I've seen more mental health professionals in my life than <laughs> most, most people, but it still feels like this thing that they're removed from. And it's like, well, that's very easy for you to say, you're not the one dealing with it. And, um, if they are, then they typically won't share their personal life with you. And that's, it can just be really isolating. And, and also as a teenager, you don't, believe on some level that adults will ever understand what you're going through because everything you're going through feels like this novel thing. Who are some of the people that have contributed and, and have resonated the most with, with um, the teens? Um, well, Mara's video probably has done the best. Um, Mara Wilson, she Mar was an yeah. actress from Matilda and Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, and she is, I mean, one of my favorite people on the planet, but also... Um, She's someone who everybody sort of in my demographic grew up watching. And it almost feels like having a friend to talk to you about it. My name is Mara Wilson. I am a writer, performer, and storyteller. I've, I've basically been an anxious person all my life. Uh, I have suffered from anxiety. I have obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, I've dealt with depression. Uh, I've been dealing with it for a very long time, for most of my life. I was an anxious kid, and I'm still kind of an anxious adult. I wish somebody had told me that it's okay to be anxious, that you don't have to fight it, that in fact fighting it is the thing that makes it worse, that pushing it away is really what it is. It's the fear of fear. Um, and that also, not that it's okay, but that it, it's not a romantic thing. <laughs> you don't have to be depressed. You know, you don't have to suffer with it. You can get help, you can reach out. Also, uh, sort of on the flip side of that, you know, anxious, being anxious and fighting that anxiety, you know, is actually just going to make it worse. Um, 
I wish that I had fought my depression and not fought my anxiety as much. When you face anxiety, when you realize what it is, when you understand that it's just this uh, false alarm in your body, then you can work with it, then you can overcome it. People with mental illness are, and you know, again, I don't know how this is in other countries, but certainly here in the US are marginalized. And I think that marginalization can intersect with um, so many other ways people are marginalized, you know, and um, uh, the story of um, dealing with mental health and poverty or mental health and, um, and race, those are not stories that I have personal experience with. So I, but I want to help provide a platform for those stories to be told because I don't think they're told. How do you get financing? Is it donations? Uh, we're a do we're a donation based uh, organization, but we're also starting to do some partnered merchandising with an organization out of Canada called Wear Your Label, mm -hmm. and uh, so where they're going to be selling Project You're Okay uh, merchandise. It's actually debuting at uh, Fashion Week next week. Okay, New York Fashion Week, and um, uh, part of the proceeds from all those sales come to fund Project You're Okay. Uh, we also are, you know, applying for grants and, and that sort of thing, seeking bigger donations. But we're all, we've been run just purely on donations from people for whom this project resonates. And people who tell us, you know, either this is something I wish I'd had or I wish my child had had or I want my children to have. Right. So, um, yeah. The internet can be such a nasty place. Um, yes. Do you guys, mo I mean, when you have so many incredible kids sharing their stories on your site, how do you sort of monitor? Oh, yeah. we No, it's uh, this has been one of our big directives from the beginning. When you have a very vulnerable person, especially a vulnerable child, putting themselves out there to say, like, this is my story and being brave. And they might, you know, be getting a lot of abuse for it at home, or they might be getting teased for it at school and, and hearing somebody and they put themselves out there in this brave way. And then to hear somebody uh, say something really harmful and triggering, like kill yourself, that can be terrible. And that that happens. And I it was important to me that that never happened uh, with Project You Are Okay. So that's why we have very specific instructions. If somebody wants to do a You Are Okay video, there's a lot of legal language around it too. Uh, we ask that you um, upload it on private and then send it to us. We'll upload it to our channel. Mm -hmm. So we are keeping track of all the comments that come through on Project You Are Okay videos. We also have uh, mental health professionals on our board in a nice bit of sort of uh, – I guess, like life coming full circle, they're actually uh, from the Children's Health Council in Palo Alto, which is where I got treatment when I was first diagnosed. And um, if we're really concerned about something, we're going to run it up, up the ladder. You know, if somebody's saying like, this is an immediate thing, we have, you know, sort of our stock answers, but we also have a lot of resources at our disposal. If, you know, we cannot provide mental health treatment, but if somebody writes us and says, I am in, for example, you know, I'm in Austin, Texas, you know, I, and I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to do something. I'm feeling like I'm going to self-harm. We can sort of either send that to the mental health professionals and say like, you know, is there a way we should respond to this? Or we can sort of send, okay, well, we just looked it up. There is this center near you that you can call. Um, and that'll help you find a local resource. We have a lot of resources on our website to help people find cheap and free treatment near them. 
along with, you know, hotline numbers, crisis chat numbers, places you can text. Have you gotten any reactions since you started from teens that have that has surprised you or um, I got a, a private message on Instagram last night on my personal Instagram, which I was surprised by just saying, like, I just want you to know, like, um, it was from a girl in Spain mm-hmm. and she was saying, I just want you to know, I, um, that, you know, your project has made me feel supported and I haven't talked to anybody about this and, um, I'm glad, thank you for creating this. And, um, when we see things like that, that's sort of when I, when I feel really good about what we've done. So I'm, I'm in Sweden. So, so people can come and, and listen and, and watch and contribute from here as well. Absolutely. It's a, it's, I, I just, I want whoever clicks on the site, I want them to see, uh, their story represented through someone. And that's really important to me because no, nobody had, no two people have exactly the same experience. And how are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for asking that. You know, I, I, uh, I'm pretty, my, my new thing since I've been doing you are okay is that when I'm having a really bad day and I still get panic attacks and I still have days where it's difficult to get out of bed, but they're fewer and farther between. And my new thing is that I like to tweet it. I like to just post it online and I've got a little bit of a following now and you just never know who's going to see that and go, Hey, you know what? Me too. This is also (laughs) like, this is my day too. And I think that it can also be helpful to be like, I am running this organization. I'm, uh, you know, you're open doing a lot of, I'm doing a really, yeah, I'm doing a lot of things I'm really proud of and things still are not, it's not all perfect every day. That's no one's reality. No one is ever all happy. Thank you so much for joining me, Jenny, and for talking about this. Thank you so much. For more information on the initiative, go to www.projecturok.org. That's with letters, projecturok.org. Thank you so much to Jenny Jaffe, and thank you for listening. Tell us what you think about Pop Culture Confidential or anything else. Send us a Twitter with hashtag podpopculture or on Facebook or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. This show was edited by Moa Larsson, music by Carl Boy, produced by Renee Witterstedt and myself, Christina Jörling Biro. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.